Father God, today we pray for our role in the world. We thank you for Jesus and how he changed the world through his example, his teaching and his values. We thank you that Jesus taught us to value human life. So we pray that in our time, we can continue to value and care about the unborn, the children, the women, the elderly and the disabled. Help us to continue what he started. Thank you that Jesus taught us to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. Yet, there is still so much for us to do to advance the civil liberties, the treatment and dignity of minorities in our time. Lord God, give us the wisdom to discern and reach out to those who are truly forgotten, those who are truly ignored or neglected, and to those whose human dignity has been diminished. Thank you for helping us to understand that you created all of us to be equal and with unalienable rights. Help us to support and encourage the leaders and the governments that protect those rights and for their compassionate use of political power. Thank you for Jesus' care for the sick and how Christian compassion over the years has led to the continuing advancement of medicine and medical treatment for all citizens, not just the privileged wealthy. Thank you that Jesus taught us the value of education for everyone. Thank you for the gift of literacy that allows your word to be read all over the world. Help us to continue to promote education and literacy for all. Thank you that Jesus taught his followers and his church to help meet the needs of this life, to reduce human suffering, to make the world a better place to live in, and in doing so, to prepare hearts to receive the gospel. We acknowledge that Jesus' example of ministering to physical needs and then sharing the gospel is how we too should act. Help us to realise that humanitarianism and evangelism complement each other. Please, God, help us be committed to both. Lord, we know we can't do everything, but show us what you want us to do. Lord, we can't minister to everyone, but show us each situation where your will for us is to make a difference. Now and a difference in eternity. And we ask for these things and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Over to you, Sam. Thank you, Richard, for those prayers. Isn't it great to just come before our amazing God and just bring things to him, knowing that he hears our prayers. And it's such a, a joy and a privilege to, to do that as a family. Um, uh, during the week, we had a, a, um, 
a bit of a, a, an issue. Jasper was taken to hospital. Um, it was a quite a, a trying time for us as a family, and so my sermon this morning probably isn't as polished as I would hope it to be, but that's okay. Um, trusting that the Lord uh, will speak through me, and so I'm just going to pray before we begin. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are, the richness, Lord, of all that we sang about this morning, what you have done, the fact that you removed everything that could hold us back from you, the fact that you hold us together in your love, and Lord, that you call us to, as Richard prayed, make a difference in this world. And so Lord, we pray that as we look at your word this morning, Lord, that you would help us just to remove those things in our minds that we're thinking about, the distractions. May we hear your sweet voice speaking to our hearts. And Lord, even though there are human words that I speak, Lord, may divine revelation uh, be implanted in our our hearts and our minds this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said to the kids this morning, we... um, we start a, a new series, Let Your Light Shine. Turn to the person next to you and say, Let Your Light Shine. And now turn to the person next to you and say, Whoa. Hey, that's not bad. I reckon we could record that, maybe. Yeah. Um, so we start a new series, Let Your Light Shine, and look, the purpose of uh, this particular verse and, and this section of scripture uh, that we're going to be looking at over the coming weeks, uh, there's a purpose behind it, and that is to, to give us some teaching, uh, some encouragement, some practical help uh, in outworking the strategy, the, the outreach strategy that we um, placed before the church uh, a couple of weeks ago in Vision Sunday. Uh, you might remember that uh, we felt like the Lord was saying um, that he wants us to be a fully functioning, healthy church. And as part of that, uh, gathering all the parts of church life together. And one of those being uh, our outreach and actually making a difference in this community and world that we live. And so it was no... no Good, us just simply saying, okay, go, off you go, do it. Uh, but to provide some teaching, provide some uh, practical advice, and just look at the word and what it actually means to go, what it means to actually share our faith with those around us. And so I just wanted to just quickly, uh, as an intro, look over uh, these slides again. So this is. God's vision for his church is to be a biblically functioning Christian community uh, that wholeheartedly outworks the great commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and love our neighbour as ourselves, and the great commission. And that's something that I'm going to be looking at this morning. And so our mission as a church, why we gather our purpose, what we do is to attract people to Christ to incorporate them into the church life and to develop them into Christ-like maturity and empower them to be fully functioning, devoted followers of Christ, Um, having a meaningful part to play not only in the local church but also in the mission of God's uh, work in the world. And so there needs to be an effective strategy to actually draw people to Jesus. Um, And we mentioned that 
it's probably unlikely that people are going to simply walk in off the street in an Australian culture into a church and, and just one day wake up and do that. And so what is our strategy in actually reaching and drawing people to Christ, like I just said? And so first point is to go. This is the Great Commission, is to actually be sent out into our life. It's not out in necessarily, and it might be, into an overseas country or the mission field, but this is just our everyday, normal, social lives. Um, the people that we come in contact with uh, in work or school, uh, our family, our regular social interactions, and to build strong relationships. And in that, um, because of those relationships, be able to then invite them to something that the church naturally puts on. And this is why it was great to do a day on the green the other day, uh, a family event where people could come together and they could see the church community uh, functioning. Uh, men's and women's events, we had our bowling night the other day and someone from here brought along a work colleague. And that was fantastic. And we got to meet him and, and build a relationship with him and have great conversation um, and as, as the night ended, I said, you know, it was really good to meet you um, and I, I really enjoyed our time together. And he said, hey, if you do this again, let me know. I'd be interested. Isn't that great? And so women, op shop hop, you got coming up this Saturday. Who might be someone that you're engaging with, who you're relating with at the moment that could come along to something that is like this, that's very, fairly fun, but... The purpose is you're actually gaining um, relationships, you're actually building relationships and getting to know the community. And not only that, that people actually see the community and see Christ in us. Um, and so that that is attractive. And then uh, thirdly, we're looking at how do we then integrate people, just like the mission, into the, the life of the church. So this is one way that we can outwork as a local church and as individual members of it the great commission to go out into all the world. Now, does the world include your workplace? Yes. Does the world include your family? Yes. Does the world include schools? Yes. Neighborhoods? Yes. Go into the world. Now, some commentators say um uh, in Matthew 28, go and make disciples. Some say that it could be translated as you go. And I like that because it sort of takes away the sort of super spiritual concept of, of going and it's more as you go, as you go about your daily life, as you wake up, as you go to sleep, as you drive, as you work, as you interact, as you go, make disciples, as you live, as you live your daily life, it's to be a natural, normal, everyday thing. As you go about your life, make disciples, share your faith. Now, looking at it this way doesn't lessen the importance of going. <laughs> it is still a command. It was a command that Jesus said to go. So as you go, live your life. Share your faith. So we are to go. In fact, uh, I heard a, a funny saying the other day. It said, uh, Christians are like manure. 
pile them up in one place and they stink, spread them out and they do goodness and life to all that they touch. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Put them together in one place and they stink, but spread them out and everything they touch brings goodness and life. So go, spread out, change the world around you by radiating the light that is inside you. Our world is crying out for hope. Our world is crying out for love, for purpose, for meaning. Um, in fact, I uh, caught up with Sam Julek, the uh, local member for Parliament during the week, and I asked him the question because I'm interested in how our church can engage in the community. And I said, what do you think as a, a member of uh, Parliament that are the needs in our local area. What, you know, we're not necessarily uh, you know, like Elizabeth or something where perhaps you could see the needs around you. Uh, we're kind of an affluent you know, local community. What, what are the needs? What are the needs of our community? And he said something interesting. He said, I see isolation all around me. There are so many people who live isolated lives. I thought, wow. Isn't that interesting? In our community, right on our doorstep, there are people who live isolated lives. No family, no friends, and they exist and go to the shops and watch TV at night all by themselves. And people are desperate for community and engagement. And so we are called to be a beacon. We are called to be a a lighthouse shining, showing people the way to life, to community, to relationship. We're called to live a life that's different. It's too easy just to go with the flow and to conform to the world around us. Jesus is calling us to live an authentic, faith-filled life where people can actually see and are attracted to the Jesus that we sing about living inside of us and, and changing us. I came across a quote from Joseph Aldrich and he says, God's evangelistic strategy in a nutshell, he desires to build into you and me the beauty of his own character and then put us on display. That's God's strategy. To build into you and me the beauty of his own character and put us on display for all the world to see. And of course, that's precisely what Jesus meant when he spoke these words. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. If you see a a city up on a mountain top from all around, from whatever vantage point, you'll be able to see it. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No. Instead, they put it on a stand up high and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this, but did you know that for the first 400 years or so of Christendom, of the early church, there were no famous preachers? There were no football stadium crusades. There were no worship albums. 
<laughs> you know, there, there were no um, huge cathedrals. They didn't even have the Bible. <laughs> Did you know that? The early church didn't even have the Bible as we know it today. And yet, this was the biggest time of spread of the gospel. In comparison uh, to, to life, the biggest amount of growth was in those first years under persecution and as they're sort of starting out. So how did the gospel spread without all the things that we sort of think about in our church life and what we think about in this day and age? How, how the gospel spread in, in those early days? It was through the everyday witness of the common believer. They let their light shine. They lived a life that was attractive and different that people saw. Uh, like Richard prayed this morning, they, they made a difference. They made hospitals. They looked after the widows, the orphans. They, they cared for the poor and cripple where society didn't. And it was noticeable. And through that, the gospel spread. They let their light shine. So you don't have to be famous. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to have some amount of hours that you've made up in church before you can go, like you're on some license. <laughs> you have to do a certain amount of hours, hours before you're, you're sent out. No, it was everyday people sharing the faith that they had. In fact, I came across this quote from a guy who was an elevator operator in a hospital. I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. I like that. I'm just a nobody. Perhaps this morning you might feel like, oh, I'm a nobody. How can I shine my light? How can I share my faith? Just tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. <laughs> Pretty simple. And so over the coming weeks, we're going to be unpacking uh, the passage from Matthew 5, theologically and practically. But first this morning, I wanted to just set the groundwork for the series. What is the source of our light? What or who is the source of our light? How, how do we gain light in us? And what is that? <laughs> in order that we might shine it? How do we establish that? You see, when Jesus was speaking in the Great Commission, he was speaking to his disciples, to those who were following after him. Uh, in a similar way, in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, the famous passage, um, I am the light of the world. We know that bit. And after that, he says, if you follow me, that is, if you are my disciple, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have, you will possess, you will own, you will have the light that leads to life. So in order to have the light, we first need to follow the light, who is Jesus. We need to go where he went, live like he lived, follow his ways and his call in our life in order that we might have that light and shine it. So a bit like John the Baptizer said, less 
of me and more of you. The more that we allow Jesus into our life, the brighter our light will shine. And the opposite could be said too. The, the further we are from Jesus, the more dim our light would be. Um, when Jesus spoke these words, he was speaking them uh, in the treasury, the part of the temple where um, people would come and, and give their sacrifices. And there were candles uh, on the walls of uh, the room or the, the opening. And those candles represented the time when um, God uh, led the people out of Egypt by fire and that God was present in the fire and he was their guide. And so Jesus is standing in that place around what was represented in that concept and he says, hey, God was present in that pillar of fire that, that led people and they followed that. I am that light and I am your guide and follow after me and you will have that light within you. Uh, in a similar way, there was a, a festival at the time uh, and they lit up the lights of the temple in such a way that it burned really bright. So bright uh, that the whole of the temple building was just, just lit up, lit a flame. And, and the darkness was all over the rest of the town. And so if you were out in the town, you just saw this beacon of, of light um, coming up from the temple. And in the same way, Jesus is, is saying, saying that, that we are to be that beacon, that people who are in the darkness would see that light and be drawn to that light. Uh, uh, as, as a youth group, we've often gone to Mandala uh, as a camp out to a farm. And uh, Uncle Brenny, as we call him, uh, would often take us up to this rocky outcrop at night and because we're in the country, uh, everything around us is dark. But on the horizon, you can actually see a glow that comes from the lights of the cities. So he's like, that way's border town, that way's the other town. I can't remember what they were. <laughs> that way's a, and, and you could see it. You could see this glow uh, that was the lights, the electric lights of, of the town. Uh, in the darkness. And that's what's happening here as Jesus says this, that the temple lights are, are, are turned on and, <clears throat> and Jesus is saying, unless we're close to and in connection to Jesus, who is the light, we will have no light to shine or at least it will be a dull and worn out flicker of light. Um, it reminds me of a time uh, when I was first uh, testing my faith and, and realising the seriousness of it. Um, I was really affected by Keith Green, uh, his, his diary basically called No Compromise, where people have taken his diary and, and, and written a book about it. Um, and I was just sort of coming to terms with the gospel and what it means for me, and I was really inspired by the life of Keith Green and the difference that he made in the world. And I remember... Uh, one night, I think it was after a, a gig that we'd done in the town, I was alone in my little Renault 12 and I read a chapter of Keith Green and I was so fired up. I said, yes, I'm going to go do this. And so I parked my car just outside of Hindley Street. I said, I'm going to go down Hindley Street 
and I'm going to tell someone about Jesus and they're going to turn their hearts to him and I'm going to be just like Keith Green. And so I get out of my car and I start walking down Hindley Street looking for the person and there's all these weird people. <laughs> and oh, not that one. Uh, maybe I'll go down a bit further and I walk and I get to the end to King William Street. And it's like, oh, no, I'll turn back and I'll go down the other end of the street. Maybe the person is going to be there. And I found my pace getting faster and faster as I ran back to the car, closed the door, locked the door, and was like, ah, freaking out. Uh, it was a funny, you know, there was this inspiration to do something for God. There's nothing wrong with the desire to do something. But it wasn't out of a response or necessarily God doing something in me that led to me wanting to let my light shine. And so I want us to look at the Great Commission now. Not the famous part, but the verses before it. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So Jesus, when he was with his disciples, he, he told them, hey, look, these things are going to happen. The Son of Man's going to suffer and die. It's going to be raised to life. And when that happens, guys, I want you to meet me here. And uh, when the, the women find Jesus at the tomb, uh, Jesus says to them, go tell the disciples, oh, and by the way, remind them where to meet me. So he'd, he'd pre-planned a meeting with the disciples after he was raised to life. So the 11 disciples, because Judas is no longer with them, went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. I don't like it says that some doubted. <laughs> I know that that's in there because it was written by the apostles and they're just being honest. And that's a good indication that the Gospels are actually true, by the way. Uh, that they make themselves out to look silly. Uh, if you're making someone something up, you make yourself out to, oh, I know it all. But some doubted. But when they saw him... They worshipped him. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. So the great commandment was given in the context of worship. As the disciples bowed down and worshipped him for who he is, for what he'd done, he was standing there before him, the risen saviour, raised to life. Wow. He's taken away the sins of the world. Wow. He's set us free. Worship. Jesus is the best. As the disciples are there worshipping and experiencing his presence, the living relationship of their saviour, in that, Jesus says, go. In fact, I came across uh, a commentary on this passage and the commentator says this, When the disciples saw Jesus, they responded in worship. Now we could read verse 17 as a simple record of what took place. Yeah, okay. The already bewildered disciples spy the resurrected Lord. They fall to the ground in worship. 
at which point Jesus happens to commission them to make disciples of all nations. But the coordinating conjunction, chi, and, that begins at verse 18, will not allow us to do that. Jesus' commissioning of his disciples is directly linked to the narrative of their worship of him. And Matthew intends us to read it that way. The Great Commission is given in the context of worship. Therefore, obedience to the Great Commission is first and foremost an act of worship. Out of an experience, out of response to the goodness of God, the disciples are commissioned. And so it is with you and me. You see, if we don't really know Jesus, now I I choose my words carefully there, if we don't really know Jesus, we might have perhaps a Sunday school answer knowledge, a head knowledge. We can answer the Bible quiz at the quiz night knowledge. But if we don't really know the love of Jesus, if we don't really experience all that he has done for us, then it's going to be pretty hard. In fact, it's going to be impossible to share or shine or display something we don't have. It's going to be pretty impossible to share or shine or display something we don't have. So the first thing is to know Jesus and have him living inside us in order that we might display it. Uh, When I was growing up, I've got two brothers both older than me and my the brother who's closest to me in age, me and him were very sporty and very competitive. <clears throat> so was my dad. And we had a trophy cabinet in our house that my dad made up because he's proud of his boys. And uh, on one side was all my trophies and on the other side was all his trophies. And we kind of had a bit of a competition to who had sort of the biggest and the best trophies. And um, I've got another brother who wasn't very sporty and I remember one day um, someone came to our home and was sort of, you know, how you show people around your house and, oh, what's that? Oh, that's our trophy cabinet. And, and I said, you know, that's, that, that side's mine, best and fairest and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And that side's David's. And he said, oh, where's Daniel's trophies? Uh, he doesn't have any. <laughs> he didn't have any trophies to display. He didn't actually physically own, actually he had one badminton trophy (laughs) that was in the middle. But he had nothing there to put on display because he didn't possess it. He was an amazing artist and all his art was up on the walls. David and I had nothing to show or display in terms of art. But it was interesting that he had nothing to display. And so it is with us. Unless we are in love with and continual worship of this risen saviour Jesus then we will have nothing to display 
Um, in fact, uh, Nicky Gumbel famously said that the Christian life is about in and out. Uh, out is, is the sharing our faith. And if we are just concentrated on that, we will go dry very, very quickly. And the in is the renewal that comes from the Spirit of God living inside us, the continued renewal and transformation. And if we just focus on that, then we'll drown or become fat. But no, it's a continual in and out. The renewal of God and what he has done for us, his love for us, our worship of him. And then out of that flows our love um, to other people. Um, this, this week, as I said, Jasper um, had, a, had a stint in hospital. And many of you who have kids might have experienced something like this where, where something is happening for your child that you love and you would do anything to take their place. Your love for them is such that you know what? If it meant hooking me up to a machine in order that he might live and I might die, in an instant I would do that. Why? Because I love my son so much and I would give up anything for him. And I was thinking about that and I thought, wow, that's what God's done for us. You know, He has taken our place on the cross. He has given everything up in order that we might live and he die. Wow, I've never—I don't know if you've thought about that before, but yeah, what an amazing God we serve! God that would give Himself up, take our place. But perhaps you struggle to share your faith with those around you. Perhaps your worship of Him has dwindled. Perhaps your knowledge of Him and your renewal in the Spirit has faded. I encourage you this morning, perhaps this morning, perhaps we need the full experience of the greatness of God again, the fullness of Christ, to do a new work in us in order that he might put his light in us and we might shine. So before you go, before you go, worship him. Before we shine, follow him. Um, those who've done the, the Alpha course know um, of a story that was told of a, a young person who was interested in Christianity and he was really close to making a decision about coming to faith, but he was incredibly shy. And the thing that was holding him back and that might hold some of us back is that he knew that Christians told other people about Jesus and he said, you know what, I don't think I can do that. And so that stopped him from actually saying yes and to becoming a Christian. And a very wise pastor said to this young man, do you know what, you don't actually have to tell anyone. You don't have to. That's not a requirement. You don't have to tell anyone. So you can go away and you can pray and you can become a Christian. So the young man goes into his room prays the prayer, gets filled with the Spirit, 
acknowledges Jesus as Lord, Jesus comes into his life, what's the first thing he does? He's so excited, he goes and tells everyone. Guess what happened? This is amazing. This is fantastic. In a similar way, when we worship him, when we come before him and we acknowledge all that he has done for us, when we come together as a church family, when we lift up our hands in praise, uh, when we, when we, oh, God, what you've done for us, that then compels us to actually go and share that faith with others. In fact, um, I see the church. Oh, I'm not sure. Have we got the video, the merry-go-round video? Sorry, it's probably on. Oh, I forgot to tell you, Dave. Sorry. Um, I'll just tell you about it because it's a funny video. Um, merry-go-rounds. Now, we don't see many merry-go-rounds these days in playgrounds because of the risk factor. Um, people fall off them. Um, but there's, there was this phenomenon that was happening where young men predominantly, because their brains haven't developed yet, uh, would get a scooter or a motorbike and put the back wheel on the, on the merry-go-round in order to make it go fast. And there's this one video that I was going to show you uh, of these young kids who thought that they were pretty funny. And they're sitting in the merry-go-round like this and they put the scooter wheel on the back and it slowly starts to get faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And then they just get flung out, <laughs> out of this uh, merry-go-round in a quite violent way because of, because of the speed. Um, now, why did I want to show you that? Is because I, I think church is a bit like that. As we gather around Jesus in worship, as we gather around his word that is spoken over us, as we share testimonies of what God is doing in our lives, you know, as, we, as we experience his goodness, as we experience his power, his presence amongst us, his work, as our lives are transformed by the gospel, we, we gather around together and then out of that, we're flung out of that. We're catapulted into the world that we live, spread out to share, to shine, to display the Christian experience. Vance Havner says, says this. That's right. There we go. He says, the gospel is not something we come to church to hear. It's something we go from church to tell. As we gather around his word, as we gather around him in worship, we go from here to actually tell the gospel. The second thing um, I note about the verse, are we back on again? There we go. Uh, leading up to the Great Commission is the context in which it's given, its location. The 11 disciples went to Galilee. Now, if I was writing the story, if I was to 
expect the most influential movement of all time, Christianity, to be born somewhere, to start somewhere, I would assume that it would start somewhere important, somewhere memorable, somewhere where many people could witness it. But no, Jesus didn't commission the greatest movement in human history in Jerusalem, but in Galilee. It wasn't in the marble halls of the temple, but in the dusty hills of Galilee. Not in the grand church buildings, but in everyday life. Not in the 10 a.m. Sunday morning service, but in every other hour that followed. Not in Blackwood High School, but in the marketplace, in the workplaces, in the clubs, in the neighbourhoods, in the homes of those people who gather there. And it's in those places, in those places, the most uncommon places, the most normal places, that we are called to be a beacon of light. In fact, um, one of the great parables is where Jesus talks about the great feast and he's saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a master who puts on this feast uh, and invites people to it. Some people, unfortunately, say no to his request. And his response, he turns to his servant and he says, go quickly into the streets common everyday life, and the alleyways of the town, and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more, friends. There are empty seats. There is still room for more. Still room for more. Go out into the country lanes. I like this next one. Behind the hedges. Places you wouldn't think. Not into the places of majesty or places that we think would be the right places to find people. But in our everyday life, the back streets, your neighbourhoods, your schools, your workplaces, the behind the hedge places. And we're called to go into those places and be that beacon of light, not out of duty, not out of religion, not out of getting something for ourselves, but simply because we love Jesus and his light in us is designed to be displayed. That real, alive, living Jesus to be alive in us, to let our light shine so this morning I just wanted to encourage us. Sometimes we might feel like, oh, it's hard, or I'm fearful, I don't know if I can go, I don't know if God's calling me necessarily to that. I really want to encourage you 
If you're feeling like that's something you can't do, draw closer to Jesus. Draw closer to him in worship. Bow down before him for all that he has done for you. And you'll be surprised. Out of that might actually come a desire to share what you've got with those who are around you. I was in my car this week and my car has a Bluetooth thing that connects to the radio and it just talks to my phone and it just puts everything that's on my phone on shuffle. And I came across this song as I was driving and I just want to end this, end this morning with this. It's a song from Bethel. It's called, called For the One. It said, let me be filled with the kindness and compassion for the one. The one for whom you love and gave your son. For humanity, increase my love. Let all of my life tell of who you are and the wonder of your never-ending love. Let all of my life tell of who you are. You're a wonderful, you are wonderful and such a good father. And then listen to this. Help me to love with open arms like you do. A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. So that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Even in just a smile. Even in just a smile. That's what it means to shine our light. To display. Might not even be with words. It could just be in a kind smile. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your commission that you would use us to bring about your purposes in the world. Lord, sometimes we feel so inadequate. Sometimes we might feel fearful. Sometimes we might feel shy. Increase in us, Lord, of faith. Not that is worked up, but that comes out of our worship of you. Lord, as your light increases in us, may we decrease. Lord, as we declare your good works and all that you have done, may it just compel us and send us out in such a way that we are inspired to not show people ourselves, but to show people you. Because, Lord, only you can save. Only you can save. And, Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who feels like their light has dimmed or is dwindling, who feel like there's nothing in them that they feel that they could share, Lord, touch their lives right now. Lord, may they again 
know your goodness and mercy. May they be transformed by the power of your love that comes right now to touch their hearts that all of their circumstances and lives would be stripped away and they would just see only you like that temple when it was fully alight though the world that they see around them might be dark Lord that you are the light you are the guidance you are the power Help us to follow after you, Lord, and that that might bring about a change in us that affects us in such a way that we are put on display for all to see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We're going to sing a song now. And if you felt like the Lord was speaking to you this morning, about your own faith, about your own life, about your own witness. And, and you had a sense of, oh, I really need to come back to who Jesus is first before I go. Then I encourage you as we sing, we're going to stand, we're going to sing a song that declares all of who Jesus is and that he is the light of the world. And I encourage you, you might just want to, again, just stand and just have an intimate moment with Jesus where you stand. You might want to fully experience and participate in the song, whatever it might be. May I encourage you that this is a time between you and God, that he might do something in your life, and that you you get catapulted out of here into the world that you live.